Hello, everyone. Happy Friday or happy Saturday to some of you. Welcome to the weekly show of What Is School For? My name is I AI, and I'm the host of this weekly live streaming show. On this show, I interview leading education professionals, students, traditional, non-traditional students, education leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders to come here to discuss, debate, and disrupt education. The purpose is really to future-proof the next generation. And talking about which, we are indeed talking about the future today. Reimagining education through skill-based learning. And、uh, this is one of my favorite topics. You know how we can change our current education model so that we can better future-proof the next generation. And join me live is my dear friend and LinkedIn connection, LinkedIn friend, Gavinraj Sodi, who is the senior vice president at Strategy Robotics and AI Expansion. And Gavinraj has also previously worked for some big name companies such as SoftBank, Oracle, IBM, and so many others. So we are going to learn his perspective on education and why skill-based learning is so important. And so, like, really excited for today's conversation. And we are live on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitch. Uh, let me know in the comment section where you guys are joining me live from, geographically speaking and social media wise. Really excited and welcome to the show, Gavinraj. Really excited. Thank you. You didn't tell me we were in so many places. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I want to give you a surprise. That is surprise number one. Yeah. Very good. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us live. And again, let me know in the comment section、uh, where you guys are joining us live from. I love reading the global community. So let's dive in. And as I mentioned earlier, you have a very science, you know, scientific or science engineer, programming, AI, robotic, like technology background. So I'm curious to learn more. What inspires you? To be passionate and interested、uh, in education. So thank you, and I、uh, appreciate you、uh, having me on your show.、Uh, so so basically,、um, what inspired me?、Um, it, I'll just step back. So 2008, I had been in the U.S. And I felt that、uh, I was at a low where my career needed a jump start, and、mm-hmm. so I jumped into、uh, going back to China. So I moved back to China in 2009, and I've, I've been there for 11 years. I worked, like you said, for for SoftBank Robotics. I worked for Oracle. I worked for Skyworth, and I felt、um, there, you know, career is one thing, but then how do you make a, a legacy? What's the impact you want to make in life? And so, so I、um, I decided that I wanted to, and I had two two children here in the U.S.,、uh, older children that I had been quite a distance away from. And I felt technology was the bridge between me and my kids, and so、uh, I, I, when I was in China, I looked at ways that we can adva- use advanced technology to communicate with with our children. So then I moved into、um, adva- uh, artificial intelligence and、uh, building robotics、uh, to as a way to、uh, get a connection going between kids, but also kind of inspire their creative learning and the social and emotional skills. And so I felt it was.、Um, You know whether you're 
from a village or an orphanage or even from a city or a small town, uh, the every most people have access to an internet or they have mm -hmm. through a central resource uh, and they have access to they have access to various ways to learn. And so why can't we? Uh, my personal passion was I want to take children from any, any way of life and kind of build a path for them and help them find a path forward so they can improve their lives in the future. Well, I love it. That's why, you know, I connect so well with you because our missions are absolutely aligned. Mm -hmm. That's also, you know, what I'm interested in learning more about and really helping our children be future ready. So I want to ask you, you also mentioned this uh, in a talk that you gave, and uh, this is also my personal observation. You know, we're talking about reimagining, you know, future ready, all these, those things sounds amazing. But when we look at the classroom, it's like a different reality, right? Yeah. Students are so bored. And uh, a few years ago, Gallup did a big study. They analyzed 5 million students and they give the students, uh, like young students, youth, like middle school, high school kids, they give them a list of 14 adjectives. They ask the children to describe, you know, what are some of those adjectives that can accurately describe how you are feeling when you attend the school. So students' number one choice is bored. That's 50%, five zero. And number two is tired. That's 42%. Mm -hmm. And only 2% of the students surveyed shared that they never felt bored while they are in school. So really, really interesting. And there are also a few similar studies from Harvard, different publications backing this up. So from, from your perspective, why do you think children are so bored? And also in those studies, they discovered as children grow older, they become more disengaged. So younger kids are more engaged than you know middle school, the high school as they become college age, like my students, they are just like, oh, couldn't care less about what you are saying. So why do you think that is the case? So uh, I'll just start by you know saying that you know the passing the passing of Sir Ken Robinson, who mm -hmm. was instrumental in the education space, I always know. said that education today is meant for factory-based learning, and it has changed. I mean, what I term as unschooling, you know, whether you're mm -hmm. in kindergarten, elementary school, junior high, or high school or college, the whole idea of uh, applying what real-world skills would be necessary three years, five years, ten years from now is critical. I mean, yes, you got to have the fundamentals. You got to have your base. You got to have your math, science. You got to have your arts. You got to have your creative thinking. Uh, but those are just the fun. Those are the fundamentals that you got to have. And then you, you can build on top of that, kind of like building a building or a bridge, where you have stacks of things that you may be interested in. So robotics is one thing that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So and this all this crosses all the different geographic boundaries. Whether you're in China or you're in the U.S. or you're in Africa, South America, India, it doesn't matter because learning is learning and uh, you, the idea is how do we create, how do we create, create inspiration in the next generation? Yeah, I told you, I love how you mentioned, right? All the robotics, this and that. I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned some real world skills that our student really need to succeed in life. Can you be more specific? And also I want you to reflect on your own journey. 
as you mentioned earlier, you have worked with IBM, SoftBank, all those amazing companies. So what do you think are some really important hard skills and soft skills that you personally have developed along the way that really help you get to the success uh, that you have today? So I'll, I'll, I'll start from uh, the adult life going backwards. So basically, um, the different, I'll, I'll just start with the COVID. So COVID-19 has created this huge, um, um, not only academic, but also uh, employment divide. Um, and that's a universal global uh, issue that's happening. Now, I look at what's happening in the U.S. since coming back in February uh, and then what's happened in China. The difference being is in China, you may have um, a lot of cities affected, but what has happened is the unemployment situation has not been as dramatic as it has been in the United States, right? So if we work backwards from that, why is that the case? So the Chinese government's been working with nonprofits, for-profits, philanthropic organizations in China, all, all throughout the different cities, whether you're in Shenzhen, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it comes down to they've been working in, in, in investing into local neighborhoods, mm. local communities, and creating uh, incubators, creating accelerated centers, creating vocational institutions. And being, um, you know, if you're unemployed, well, they ask you, hey, start a, start a company or work with your friends and have a great wow. idea. Let's, let's, get, let's get some ignition, some fire lit. So maybe that idea can be a comp become a company. So this is a nationwide initiative over there, and there's various different programs that are uh, that the Chinese government and their local provinces have invigorated into the society. Well, the problem here in the U.S. is, you know, yes, people are making unemployment, but there isn't really a strong initiative around mm -hmm. getting government to invest into their people, and mm -hmm. that is a big, big differentiator. And what what I'm pushing for and having worked with SoftBank, my experiences in, in SoftBank in China has been, you know, we, I was responsible for a corporate social responsibility project in Hangzhou, which is uh, Alibaba or Jack Ma's hometown. And we had deployed about 2000 peppers across the, uh, across that province of, uh, of, um, in Hangzhou. And, um, which is part of Jiangsu. And we had, uh, this was from priest from kindergarten all the way to, high school, to primary school, to college, to vocational, to special ed, as a way to convey how robotics plays a, uh, plays a role in people's lives, whether it's learning, uh, allowing kids to learn about Scratch and how to do storytelling using Scratch, to how to adapt to new ways to code, like using Python, and learning how robots um, execute commands that kids, young, young adults develop. So it's a way to work also in groups and how you can work with peer learning, peer to peer learning between kids and how they can help each other. And these are all soft skills that you learn beyond the classroom. And this is, um, this is something that uh, I learned is very, very important. And I was, I was really uh, lucky to have this opportunity with SoftBank to be part of this project in China. Uh, but what, what it showed me is that if government can't invest, into local people to help the local population. Entrepreneurs like myself, working with amazing people can. And so I came back to the US and I've been working, uh, I've met with some uh, very, very talented people. 
created uh, a special set of projects that are really focused on driving uh, innovation, um, economic development, and also um, getting um, kids inspired again, young people mm -hmm. inspired again. So as, as an example, we um, been, have been working on a, um, a project to change or transform the retail sector for grocery uh, purchases, uh, both online and offline here in the United States. And we're just in, uh, in, in development of a stage right now. But what we learned is um, this can apply to a, uh, a wealthy neighborhood as, as well as it can apply to a neighborhood that uh, is just emerging and mm -hmm. looking for economic development. And uh, what, what I'm really interested in is how we can take economic development and getting the residents involved in the process of building their, maybe, they, maybe they're growing vegetables or they're, they want to buy local foods, they want to buy organic, they want to buy different, they want to buy uh, different types of foods to create recipes on their own in their home because people just are not going out as often. Uh, well, that's, they, that's the economic side, but then from the um, uh, education side, you, you can create various different educational programs out of this. You can create STEM-based learning where mm -hmm. you know, young people are learning about how to, how to apply soft skills into a real-world real world setting so they can learn about how, what's, what's a cashier, how to do money management, how to uh, – how maybe there's some science skills, how to grow vegetables, how, what, yeah. what uh, humidity should you have in dirt. So all these skills can be learned just from within the community. And so this is another way that nonprofit and for-profit can work together, and in government and even brands are getting uh, really excited about this opportunity. So if we start small, this can be an embryonic effect that can grow across various mm -hmm. communities and then hopefully nationwide. And so that's what I learned over the last 11 years, that it was not about monetizing financially significantly in China, but it was learning about the differences that exist and then bringing them back and then feeling what I really feel strongly about, and that's to improve people's lives here. And mm -hmm. so we want to improve how people eat, how people, how people enjoy their lives, but also how their children learn. And, uh, and and not rely on government because it's not gonna it's not gonna help. I mean that's that's a false hope. And so what we need to do is do it. We need to engage ourselves, engage our community, engage like-minded people that feel the same drive and energy and initiative to make this happen. Well, wow, that sounds so exciting. The projects that you are working on. And uh, so here's a a great comment from one of our live viewers. So being talking about being abroad, away from your native country. It's a huge eye opener to how other parts of the world do the things that you do every day, whether that's your work or profession, your day-to-day -day life. So we'd love to know how your guest extensive expat experiences have influenced his yeah, perspective and the world views. Yeah, great question. Yeah. Yeah, excellent question. I mean, I I, I really encourage people to travel. Mm -hmm. um, I took a gap year in college. Uh, thanks to my, my parents. Uh, they, they believed in me and they gave me the opportunity to travel in China when I was about 17. And I went back, uh, you know, 15 years later. Uh, it was an opportunity to open my eyes mm -hmm. and can't believe everything in media. You just can't believe media whatsoever. Uh, you have to see it for yourself. And uh, humans are humans. And it's, it's the media that wants to feed you information. So you can't be a sheep. You have to be the wolf. You have to really take charge of your destiny. And that's kind of what we're seeing here in the U.S. 
I love that, you know, take charge of your destiny. Oh, uh, so, so powerful. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, I, in my mind, you are actually developing critical thinking. I grew up in China and uh, I was like the other way around. And so I came to the U.S. It is such an eye-opening experience for me to actually learn more about China, to learn more about the U.S. using my own eyes using my own brain and practice my own analytical thinking. I so agree. That's why at Classroom Without Walls, we actually do a blended approach. So besides the online part, our in-person component is always in a different country. Surprisingly, I discovered many of our American children, they don't actually travel that much. Yeah. And uh, did, did you also say that? I, I don't, I don't, I haven't figured out why, but they just like, they love just being, in their home country or when they travel they will go to europe like very similar cultures not like exotic places like you know china or singapore or korea yeah there a lot of them are risk adverse mm. right that's what society you know shares and tells us and it's important that we understand how to uh how to prosper but not ignore what's happening in other countries whether it's you know learning a culture learning a language um, traveling just for the sake of traveling, because you know you stay in one place, you get st it gets stagnant, and you don't see change. I mean, you, you, I think you can agree that the change, like for example, even the uh, real estate change, the, the way that commercial development happens in Asia is far faster than it is here. Or even technology, for example, five G, how it's launched in Asia versus has it's still taking a lot of time here in, in the U.S. Uh, but what what it does, uh, what it, what has given us. Uh, as I, I see more and more, because of COVID, I see more and more um, change and that's occurring now than ever before. And it, you know what they say is, ten years of change, ten years of change has occurred in four months. Mm -hmm. You can't yeah. take it away, and people are forced to learn and transform. Yeah, totally. I I so agree. I still remember this was a few years ago. I went back to China. And I saw that people are using like a QR code to collect money, even homeless people using QR code to collect money. I was like, wow, that's pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. So here's a, uh, a great comment from Fatty. Thank you for joining us live. So as a young boy, I struggled with academics. Later, I learned it had a lot to do with the school system. So this uh, inter uh, this interests him today. And any suggestion about traveling with a 13-year-old and ensuring the best transition for her? I love it. That is thanks, buddy, for that comment. I mean, uh, that's an awesome idea um, to take your take your child uh, to a different place. Uh, wherever it may be, uh, to open their eyes to how people live lives and understand and realize it's, you know, people are people in the end. And uh, it's, language is different, that's, that's for sure. But yeah. how to interact, it's pretty much the same. Totally, yeah, and we have, like you, you know, where's my mug? So I classroom without was, I need to find it, hold on. <laughs> yes, yes. So we believe, where are you, right here. The best education happens outside the classroom. Yeah. And that's really what I believe. And we have been traveling with our young children since they were babies. And uh, it's such an eye-opening experience for them to really gain multiple perspectives. Even like, oh, wow, there are people 
eating rice, you know, not always every day I have to eat bread or butter and like rice or seaweed, kimchi. And this really opened up their vocabulary. And also research has shown like quite a few studies, quite a few entrepreneurs in the US, they actually gained their uh, startup ideas by being overseas. It's yeah. a great way to cultivate self-awareness, to be creative, to be innovative, because you are gaining that fresh perspective. So mm -hmm. I, I so agree. I, I think if parents can figure out how to do that, and that's the best gift that we can give to our children. Yeah, yeah. You also you also gamify their learning experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about that a little bit. And also, you know, like earlier you were talking about storytelling and robotic. So, you know, in 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 people's mind, storytelling is like human, you listen to a story. So where are the intersections between sure. like AI technology and storytelling? And how can we uh, integrate all of them to make learning more personal, more fun, and gamify a little bit? Yeah. Sure. Great, great question. So I, I did an experiment in uh, in Shanghai, and where I had um, uh, worked with a, a group of investors and launched a project in one of the public schools with the Shanghai government support that allowed us to uh, create a semester long and eventually a year long uh, education program for young kids uh, between eight and nine years old. And uh, one of the, one of the challenges in China, at least, is uh, from young people all the way to adults. When you ask them to present um, creative ideas, uh, tell your story, uh, how they feel, it's a very difficult task for them. Mm -hmm. It's not just because they can't, it's just they haven't been able to do so and haven't had that opportunity to uh, set that in their mind that that's, an op that's a skill that they need to have. And it's really important. That's why China has been one of the leading um, uh, adopters of critical thinking in the last mm -hmm. 10 years. Uh, teachers and teachers everywhere are learning from professionals, whether it's from Oxford, Harvard, and others about what is critical thinking and how they can adapt in their classroom. So um, that's been uh, that's been extremely important. So so back to the, the Shanghai. So we built a curric we we adapted a curriculum from MIT's uh, uh, lifelong kindergarten program, which was based on Scratch, and we built a uh, a small robot would be brought into the classroom, created groups of four. Three, three boys and one girl per group. And we basically put them through a semester long program, taught them about Scratch, but also applied how to apply Scratch to a specific uh, instance in their life. So we picked a theme and this theme was around climate change because at that time, uh, climate was a big issue, has been a big issue in China, especially how to reduce the pollution level and, uh, and, and improve and increase the use of uh, energy, electrical, electricity, vehicles, as well as other alternative um, energy um, methods to reduce the pollution levels in Asia, in China. And so they created these um, very uh, in interesting approaches to uh, apply how they can, in their local neighborhoods, you know, take the garbage and recycle and all these different efforts that mm -hmm. government has also been creating an influence around in the household and help. And what we did is we worked with the children to learn how Scratch works and also take uh, what they've written on paper and put that into the Scratch application and use this as a way to communicate and convey what they're trying to tell on paper or by voice. And so in the end, we, we hosted, after about eight weeks, we hosted a TEDx in Shanghai, in Fuxing Park, and basically had the kids 
had two teams present uh, to their parents, uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of individuals and their administrative, their their principal. I mean, they were bawling in tears because the kids wow. were, were sharing their insights, their their stories about how they feel that the climate change can be improved with everybody that they know by using technology as a way to convey what they wanted to share. And they have never they have they have never seen that before. And it, it was something that was a, quite an influence. So when we when we went to the next semester and asked what happens is they sit in the auditorium and they're going to be presented by all the teachers about new programs they want to introduce for the school year. And so one of this one of the programs was ours with one of the school teachers. And the kids have to raise their arms and stand up if they're interested. And so interesting enough, the 1,500 kids, we only had slots for 40 kids. So oh. half the auditorium stood up because they were interested in this program, almost 750 kids. And so we had to open up a couple more classes for this, which was taught twice a week, 40 minutes each. And so that's why <clears throat> you, can, you can use technology as a way to communicate strong, important themes that are important in society. And I think it's a smart way to adapt. And it gets, mm -hmm. gets over time, <clears throat> we had launched a program with, with Berkeley as well, UC Berkeley. And <clears throat> this is a way to bridge those that are really passionate <clears throat> that emerge from these teams and get them on a path where they can build educational um, uh, guides that, move, that may take them into high school and college, into these universities based on what they learned at that instance in time. So that's what we, every intention is to have them build a path, not just for that singular instance that they're learning, but along the journey of their education career. I love it because, you know, like when you look at children, when I look at my own children, when they are playing whatever games, they are interested in Minecraft. I forgot there's another one they are really into. And they are so, in, they so enjoy it, right? They are like doing this and that. But then, like, when it comes to learning the traditional, like, doing the homework, the traditional way, like, oh, my God, this is so boring. I can't even do this. So it really makes no sense. Like, like you know, I like a game, like learning. Why can't learning be like playing a computer game, be right. addictive, right? Be, like, enjoyable. I can't get enough of this. So it's really exciting to hear some of those, like, really encouraging changes but how about you know not everyone has access to technology yeah. so how can we kind of like scale this right so like even i'm thinking about people who are homeschoolers and who don't have access so how can we involve maybe the government or the community to have you know different like hubs or i don't know that's what i'm thinking right now to make this like more scalable and available to children who don't have access to this really personal, fun, and innovative way of learning. So I think <clears throat> I think corporations need to have a uh, need to have a stronger responsibility mm -hmm. in in participating in this process. You know, they they can monetize off of generating revenue from selling their goods, but they also need to contribute back to society in the local mm -hmm. areas where they're at. So you know, just as an example, in in, in China, when I was working in manufacturing our machines, uh, we went, we were went with a partner that was kind enough to take us to Wuhan. Mm -hmm. And we basically visited an, uh, an orphanage. In the orphanage, you know, you had had young children, young young kids, all the way to, to high school uh, kids that had never gone to a classroom. Mm -hmm. And it was all a, a, an initiative between 
Sichuan and also Hubei governments to build this orphanage so the kids can can learn. And so what we wanted to provide is a is a forum or, or an opportunity to open their eyes to technology. They had never even drank, you know, a Pepsi. They have never had these things that we take for granted every day. So that was that's that's that that happened because that, that in China they they the government wants you to participate as a corporation to give back because they give you land, they might give you other sites of incentives, but in turn you have to give back to society. Mm. That's something that we need to learn here. And mm. I, don't, I don't know why it's not in the fabric of America, which we started from, but it needs to be in the fabric. And I think polit some, you know, politicians get lost in the game. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, I, I, I definitely want to participate in that process to bring what I've learned into the different economic growth areas in, in you know, starting with California and moving east. Because it, if it doesn't have, you know, if we don't do it, Who's going to do it? Oh my God. I love it. I would love to work with you on that. I love it because it is so important. And one reason, you know, uh, some of you may not be familiar with my story. I taught in the classroom for 10 plus years before I resigned. I started to build my own school classroom without walls. So one reason I resigned was because this huge gap between what is happening in the classroom and what is happening outside. It's like, almost like two parallel universes, right? You don't even have a conversation. You have no idea what is going on. Like school, everything they are learning, you're like so outdated that when you look at real life, wow, you know, AI technology, you are doing this and that. So I love what you are talking about, you know, figuring out ways to build those, bring multiple stakeholders together to bridge the gap. And I think if we can do that, that's really uh, incredible. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, just to add a little bit more, if I may, uh, yeah. you know, at the community level, if you're talking about AI, you know, in people's mind, AI is a, is a, is a people are fearful of it, or people just don't, don't know what it is. But you can bring it down to a very simple level, and that's key. When you're learning on it, when you're learning skills on a job, you learn about what data is, mm -hmm. how how uh, computer vision plays a role in people's lives every day how it can make your life more safe and more secure. Um, and that, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's a good thing, because you can do things that you really wanna do without being concerned with the effect. Um, how you know things like Alexa play a role when mm -hmm. you're in your home, whether it's opening the door or watching TV or, or listening to your sound box. I mean, every, yes, we are being invaded in, every, in various facets of life by technology, but it's, 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 it's more about improving the consumer's experience, improving the user's experience versus inhibiting you or uh, discouraging you. This is more about finding the right ingredients that can make your life better. And we want to offer technology and a bit of humanity to make that happen. I love that, you know, using technology. I'm an advocate of social media, digital literacy, using technology for the good, using social media for the good. I do feel like when you look at the mainstream discourse, right, there is overall almost a very negative perception about technology. As you mentioned earlier, it's taking, we have this attention problem, like, you know, health, this and that. But I think we also need to be exposed equally to the positive aspects of using social media and technology to yeah. make, you know, humanity a better place. Yeah, I love that, yeah. 
So earlier, uh, yeah. So I want to follow up on this. Uh, Fadi mentioned that her his daughter is really attached to her friends. Earlier we were talking about traveling. You see, this I think my take on this is like technology. You know, social media has allowed people to stay in touch, and we still have friends in. Korea. We were in Korea for three years, and we use Kakao. That's their social media channel, and we stayed in touch. I think it is much easier for students to stay in touch nowadays. And you still have a summer break, winter break. You can still travel, and now you give those friends a reason to visit a foreign country. Now they have a place to stay. So that's kind of my take on this. What?、Uh, how about you? So what if what Fadi? What if you made you offered your daughter to? Make a an experience where you define like a, a storytelling approach. They they can create a scrapbook, and a scrapbook can be made out of short stories that they that that they that she would use either Snapchat or Instagram or or even Facebook or other types of、uh, social media or TikTok as, as a way to convey short glimpses as to what she's learning, and then creating a dialogue with her friends. I mean, you talk about yeah, it's it's over the screen, which we're already doing over the screen. But taking that situation where she's in a different place, and sharing those short glimpses—that's a true eye opener into how people are living in those places, and that would inspire her friends to also join her or join in those initiatives as well and ask those questions. That's I love this, and my, I love this、uh, like idea.、It、can be easily a project. So we ask our children to do similar things when we have a trip. They will actually map out the trip for us. And in this case,、uh, I think you mentioned that your daughter is thirteen. I think it's old enough, maybe, to use some social media to identify even the friends in those country that they are. You guys are potentially going to visit, right? I practice. I call this digital networking, and still to cultivate some relationships, and、uh, then can practice collaborative storytelling. There are so many different apps. I love Adobe Spark, which you can do collaborative storytelling.、Mm -hmm. I know my friends;、uh, they are in Korea. They are doing collaborative、uh, storytelling with the students、uh, in New Jersey in the United States.、Uh, it's called Boomer or Boom Writer or something. If you are interested, I need to find it. I can let you know. But there are lots of apps and technology available for students to stay in touch. You know, and I love that. Yeah. And so here's a great comment from Jeremy. Thank you for joining us live. So in his observation, a cross-cultural education mixed with education on the implementation of skills and that of technology with the basics can make a difference not only in business but in life as well. Powerful comment. I so agree. And I want to follow up on this.、Uh, I want to ask you, Governor, like. Uh, you also speak Chinese. I, my son asked earlier, "Do you speak Chinese?" You do speak Chinese.、Yeah. I want to ask you. You know, how has even like this cross culture, and now you also speak this language. How has learning a second language really helped you do what you do? Not only you know be successful in your business, but like life in general.、Uh, it it it's, it's life changing.、Um, you you learn to be more aware of your surroundings. But also, you, 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 you,、um, you know, whether it's in business, it, you, you have a new level of aspiration you intend to achieve in life. You、mm -hmm. may have for for myself that was the case.、Uh, I didn't think I was going to come back to the U.S., but what actually I learned is I, I brought new skills with me. I brought、mm -hmm. new learnings with me. I, I I learned a lot of lessons, both bad and good,、um, that I brought back. And I, you know, my biggest challenge was fear. And I learned to. I, I went through a lot of business coaching, 
personal coaching, um, introspection into myself, who I am. And I came back, I think, a lot stronger. Uh, I still have fear sometimes. That's that's natural. But I learned to adapt it to what I learned. Um, mm-hmm. And I learned uh, it, it's, it's, it is a quite um, impactful experience that is life-changing. That's for sure. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, fear of what? Uh, you know, it can be, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is a very lonely experience. Mm-hmm. And so when you're running a company, uh, as I did in the past, it um, you make you, you make good decisions, make bad decisions, but mm-hmm. it's your decisions. And so it's a, it's a very, um, uh, you know, you need, to, you need to surround yourself with really smart people, smarter than you. And uh, that's right. That's why I learned that, you know, having the right team, having the right makeup of people, have the right advisors, mentors, and, and mentor young people as well. It's, it works both ways because I could learn, I learned a lot from young people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, I take those experiences to see how I can uh, better myself. Uh, because what I, if I better myself, I can help those that I work with moving forward. Yeah, I love that. You know, actually, children, they have a mirror neurons. So, what we do, the best way for us to influence our children is actually to model the behavior. So, our children are like mirrors, they will get and uh, take that. So, I, I, I so agree. I so agree. And uh, so, here is uh, another kind of follow up question How about college and actually that's one of my questions what is your perspective on college education and uh, before you answer this i want to share with Fadi. and recently a few weeks ago and uh, google they are launching their own career certifications to replace the four-year college for three specific positions including uh, data analyst uh, user experience design and project management. So their own certifications will only take uh, half a year. And I think each course or certification is like $300. And so really, really interesting. I have my take on this question, but I want to hear your take on this question first. And what's your perspective on college? So I think that's, that was one example I was gonna share. It's, uh, it's quite an opportunity. I, I think, you know, having, you know, living here in, uh, in San Diego, uh, I think that one of the interesting things I see happening is that if you want to go to college, there are programs that you don't have to put money up front to pay mm-hmm. for college any longer. Basically, they will provide funds for you to go to for you to go to school, learning you know computer science or you know uh, other types of you know for example STEM-based uh, learning programs. And what happens is that the payback of those programs would occur after you reach a certain income level in your first job. And so that way you're not, you know, you're not obligated to take loans. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be in debt coming out of college. Those are the things that kept us down. That was kept in keeping society down is keeping you under debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, no other society has that. And so we need to be smarter about that. Uh, and I think there's, you know, the traditional college, I, th- I you know, even though I did my bachelor's and my MBA, it's a, uh, I don't regret that. I, it, those are tools that help me to be what I am today. But what I do see is we can be much more smarter about how we can learn skills on the job because mm-hmm. the job market has changed. That's for sure. Uh, it's more about how do you how do you develop relationships? Mm-hmm. How do you have an open How do you have an open and creative mindset? And how do you how you, how resilient you are to change? How do you adapt? That's key. So whether you, whatever walk of life, whatever language, color, 
uh, gender, it doesn't matter. It's like how resilient and how do you adapt to the changing uh, uh, environment? Because like you see today, um, a lot of very skilled people are still out of jobs eight, nine months after they got employed. And that's, you know, those stories are not being told because, you know, whether it's, you know, um, they, they're not comfortable with sharing it or, or it just, it doesn't get out there. It, it, it exists that there's a very qualified people that are unemployed and it's hard for people that have been in good paying jobs to adapt because they're very comfortable. Um, so yeah, that's the situation right now. Yeah, I, I love that. And uh, oh, it's, it's so true. And even with COVID, right, as an entrepreneur, I have lots of friends who are self-employed or entrepreneurs, and I see a big difference. You know, some people when COVID came, they're like, oh, my God, you know, like no job. I'm, I, I, I like just I'm going to uh, start collecting money from the government. On the other hand, there are also people are thinking, my God, how can I pivot? I, what can I learn from this? How can I adapt? I love how you mentioned that, which is such an important soft skill. How can I adapt? How can I move on without like being such a, a victim? Right. But learn how I can tap into this situation and grow my business and i personally one of my digital mentors at my classroom without was just during COVID, he made 36 million a very young guy and completely pivoted and his business online e-commerce store during COVID. And i was like wow and i heard another story of a babysitter like i, I can't do babysitting anymore but change her business into like babysitting through Zoom and yeah. also grow into a like million dollar business. I was like, wow, incredible. So those are really interesting examples. And I love how you talked about those like soft skills. Very, very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talking about, you know, I want to kind of summarize this a little bit. We have been talking about skill-based learning, why this is so important. So can you give us like a summary of what are some really important skills we have parents, most of our people join us live are parents so that parents can be intentionally, you know, figuring out products to cultivate their children to develop those really important life skills you know that can really help them succeed in life and dealing with change i, I think about it every day now that i have a, I have a two-year-old too and i i always think about um he's learning stem in the in the preschool right now with um you know as well as he's learning play absolutely you have to play mm-hmm. at the same time you have to learn about the new um you have to learn skills at a very young level young age um so i think that having um um having the i lost my train of thought but oh no worries i actually want to ask you to elaborate a little bit on playing because i personally agree this is so important so a few months ago i interviewed the former VP of innovation at Disney. And wow. uh, one thing that he does nowadays is to teach people how to play. I was like, wow, it is so interesting because when you look at young children, they all know how to play, right? But yeah. then something happened as they grow older and they lost that ability yeah. to play. So teach us why this is so important and how we can maintain that playfulness. And even as you yeah. know, people like us. So, yeah, so not, so what I was going to say is, having these um projects you can create with your kids like for example even the traditional lemonade stand is something that helps them understand to take an idea and create a project around it and create and generate even 10 cents 15 cents a dollar from that 
those are all, those, those, that's an idea or a concept that mm -hmm. teaches them about financial management, how to mm -hmm. build a business. You know, all these things are important to, uh, as you grow, to take that to the next level. Maybe it's a paper, a paper route. Maybe it's um, uh, teaching about e-commerce, how to build a better website, or it's about creating an online store using uh, eBay or, or Amazon. Mm -hmm. These are all skills that as you grow, you can quickly adapt. I, you know, there are young kids that are building stores for, for businesses to, to sell online. So those are skills that are very important. How do you do uh, better advertising online? Uh, how do you adapt to what's online to what's happening offline? And I, you, if I work with young people, I, I mentor folks from uh, Europe. I mentor folks from South America, U.S. It, they all are interested in how to take online and offline the convergence that's going to happen. And you got to be able to have the mindset of being able to play, try new things, even if they fail. I love it. You know, failure. So that's another reason I'm against traditional education because after being in school for so long, students they are so afraid to miss a point, to lose a point, and I think they are so obsessed with their academic performance. But I love the examples you give us because like my eight years old has been selling stuff on eBay and yeah. it's such a great way for him to develop critical thinking, researching and like taking pictures, copywriting and it's fun. He's making a little bit of money and I love it. And I think, you know, when you think about learning, you also talk about skill-based learning now, I think it's much more effective that children are actually working on one project that they are personally interested in learning more about. And as they work on that project, they develop all those important skills. I suppose to, I go to my math class to learn math. I go to my literature class to learn literature. It's so segregated, but when you think about life, None of us works like that, right? Yeah. We work, like we use all the skills. It's not yeah. in such a linear, like you know, yeah. So yeah. Your, your son's learning about design. You're learning. He's learning how to use these tools. He's learning how to what? How is he going to price those items? Mm -hmm. What price is going to work? What prices are not going to work? These are all things that you know you're you're self-taught. You're learning on the job, so you're learning online. There's so much information, so much. Uh, you know, even as simple as uh, if you want to improve your credit. Mm -hmm. you you all those tools are available online mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of understanding it and listening and trying it out you can improve your 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 scores so now you can you know you can you can further improve your your life your life skills uh amen yeah amen. Yeah, and again, you know, talking about life skills, research has shown EQ and life skills, they are two times more predictive of a person's long-term success than IQ. I think well-intentioned parents, you know, another study that I use all the time is a GPA in the US, we use grade point average, which is actually inversely related to innovation. Mm. So what an interesting study, right? The higher the GPA, the less likely the kid is to innovate and to take all those risks. So I love it. Yeah, so here is uh, a really great question. Why teachers teach the students to stick with the grades? I have my answer, but like, let's get our guest. Yeah, so why do you think that's the, the case, Gamaraj. I think in, in, in general, most teachers are still stuck in a mindset of traditional teaching uh, that may change and probably will change with the use of Zoom and other types of tools, tools for virtual teaching. It puts them in a very uncomfortable position. And if you get caught in an uncomfortable position, you have to use new solutions to find ways to communicate and convey 
your thoughts to kids because you know whether maybe they're not listening to you as close as they should or they're not responding to you as you should. So you got to try new ways. Um, that's going to force them to change. That's the only way uh, transformation happens. It doesn't happen otherwise. I love it. I, I'm about to enter. So one of my favorite calls is the master's tools cannot dismantle the master's house. So if you want to innovate, if you want to disrupt, you have to build a new set of tools to build a new house. That's why I left. So also to answer her question, you know, teachers, and I was a teacher for so many years. So we also have a teaching evaluation and school will also be evaluated. So oftentimes all the assessment, they quantify everything, right? Look at our graduation rate, look at our students, how many students, 4.0, like they always use numbers. So I think we need to develop a better evaluation system that we can actually measure our students in a more holistic manner, not only looking at exam scores, yeah. But until we figure that out, we have to do some sort of measurement, right? Because parents, hey, show me before, after how much my children have improved as a result of attending the school. But right now, I think our evaluation system is very broken because we're only looking at numbers, but we need a better way. I don't know a solution, but I do know the problem. Well, what about the situation in China where they couldn't take the Gaokao? So they couldn't take those tests to take them up to the next level of education. So then there's a gap. And so they're, they're scrambling to find ways. And they learned that it's not just about the test taking. And what they, they're probably going to learn that there's a lot of changes that have, that have occurred, though the issue is that may not come above the water because the level of psychology and educators that understand this, it just doesn't exist in China. Mm -hmm. And but the, the change has happened. And I think two years, three years, five years from now, we're going to see that. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of GPA is, is, is something that is very 19th century, early 20th century. And it's about how do you take that, what you're learning in a class, and, and apply that. That's the key. You do, that in, you do that in physics. You do that in chemistry. You do it in biology. But how do you take a blended approach to that? And that the only way to do that is actually apply it to certain problems that you mm -hmm. have to solve. Yeah, I love that. You know, give your children a challenge. So nowadays, like for my own children, I, I will actually give them a challenge for the classes that I teach my school. Every lesson I, today, we're working on this challenge, almost like gamify a little bit, right? They love like I'm working on a challenge. Yeah, I I agree. And the the one the Gaokao College Entrance Exam you mentioned, I went through this myself. It was brutal. I, I thought in my mind, if I failed this exam, I probably should just commit suicide. I was just like, the pressure was crazy. Yeah. And I had heard yeah. our personal friends, but like, I saw like uh, my our building, like just one kid, not even like, I think middle school committed suicide, jumped out of the building. We were sleeping, we heard a big sound, like, oh my God, what happened? There's like this kid. So what happened was that he did really bad, like maybe got a B, on an exam and his parents like scolded him a little bit. He was like, yeah, I'm I'm done with this life. And he's so sad, you know, the amount of pressure, you know, going back to like your, another study just came out saying that students who attend high achieving, 
high-performance schools, they are more likely to have addiction, mental abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sexual abuse, all sorts of addiction problems compared to children who are attending, you know, average schools. And I, I can totally understand that. You know, the stress expectation is crazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're forced to you're forced to do a follow a certain line, but you're always tempted and by these other alternatives. And so, especially in these exclusive schools, I mean, you're, the, the, the pressure, because there's, you know, your parents or other people are paying for your high, you know, high expensive education, but it also the pressure builds. And so to release that pressure is, is just, there's no good programs. I mean, just to think about it for a, sep for a second, there are new ways that are being used to release that mechanism. For example, children are learning about yoga. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, learn, learning about how to how what play based learning is, mm -hmm. how to do unschooling. These are all things, efforts that are being introduced in, in schools to release that pressure. Mm -hmm. And that's that's one thing we can take out of the the issues of COVID is it's forcing families to come together, the mm -hmm. fabric to rebuild, but also being able to relax and not being forced to learn from nine to nine. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have some time off. You can't be in front of the screen all the time. Forcing, yeah, forcing, forcing them to change. Yeah, I yeah I, I so agree. You know, I'm in education and uh, through COVID, and I definitely see quite a few positive changes as a result. You know, now I have no choice. I'm being forced to figure out how to teach my classes more effectively online. Yeah, so great. So wow, what an amazing conversation. We are just wrapping this up. So share with us and some like you kind of mentioned this a little bit. I want to know some exciting projects that you are working on related to education and skill-based learning where people can learn more about and uh, maybe help you be a part of this. So I, 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 the skills-based learning approach that we're talking about, I think it's going to be is going to be a result of the projects that I'm involved in. Any project at my age and my with my experience, I want to make a positive impact wherever I am investing my time in. So if I'm going to be investing my my time on a new transformational way that people will buy personal products for their home, I want to make sure that the way that people are learning in their, in their local neighborhoods, mm -hmm. what how this transformation is occurring, how it's affecting their lives, and they can learn new skills. So maybe, you know, as an example, um, in, the, in the grocery retail business I was talking about we're working on, uh, you may not be a very, you know, informed chef at home. You may not know how to cook a lot, but having recipes that that may be provided for products that you may buy from the stores to make meals, that can be um, a new lifestyle change to learn a new skill to cook at home. You may actually enjoy that so much that you may want to create, you know, a business for creating sauces, a business for creating meals based on what you learned through this transformational experience that's occurred mm. uh, for adults. Uh, that can be, uh, you can learn, um, you can learn the whole idea of, you know, robotics and automation, how that has, you know, improved the experience, even the use of drones to deliver uh, the last mile of product to your home is something that's coming. And also autonomous vehicles, robots delivering these goods to your home. Now it creates a whole touchless experience. So you don't touch, you don't potentially get infected by a virus that maybe if it does exist, 
it causes a, a lower probability of that infection. Mm -hmm. And so use the use of robots in these environments. And that, that, that gets you know kids and young people are very excited and say, oh, this robot's coming and delivering my, my groceries. Wow, you know, now I can you know, make these meals by just putting this combination of goods together. Awesome. So they want to know how it was done. What's the thought process? And so it gets them thinking. You may not, they may not tell you as a parent, but they will be thinking in their back of the mind. That is really exciting. I want to know. They'll, they'll, they'll research online. They'll be asking mm -hmm. questions. That's why we want to make ourselves available to that. Amen. I love that. I oh, I saw where I think you know. I have been saying this. Education is not only about educating the brain, but really inspiring our children's heart. Yeah. Show them what exciting, right? Once Being they are cold. interested in this, they're Being like, yeah. Exactly. We show up as a facilitator and help our children to uncover their interest. And that if they are really into this, they can figure it out. There is so much information online. Yeah. So yeah, I love that example. Yeah. So here is a great question from Jeremy. So he asked, what do you think about putting a student, a kid in a hypothetical situation that enforces them to find solutions at an early age so that they can achieve success in the workforce? Yeah, that's what I, that's kind of where, uh, what I'm talking about is, you know, giving them an internship, being them participating in a process. So if you're creating a new, new retail experience, having them participate in that process, inviting people in, taking the, you know, um, introducing them to the experience, um, yeah. delivering on goods they actually purchased to their homes. This gets them involved in that life cycle. And so totally. it gets them really hands-on learning. Totally. I love it. I think even better if you can, if we can give our children real life challenges and not challenges that we are excited about, but challenges that they are really interested in. As a, a parent, as an educator, I advocate that we do practice the pedagogy of listening not always the pedagogy of dictating right so here's the situation here's the problem work on it but we actually listen to our children especially if they are older they know what they want oftentimes we don't give them to share their voice right so like they tell you what is the problem that they are thinking about they have great problems so based on that problem can we create a challenge and let them work through the challenge so i love that yeah and so as we are wrapping up share with us where can people learn more about you and from you so they can always use my contact me on linkedin um which is right down below <laughs> <laughs> and i'll be definitely answering to everybody that reaches out to me i encourage you to reach out to me i i definitely can learn from you as well so the questions have been very very uh, helpful and really resonate with my interests as well so i really appreciate you spending the time uh and sharing this experience with with us and so, but please do reach out because this is, this is kind of starting a dialogue. It's not just a, a one-way street. We feed this information. We want to hear it from you so we can create this dialogue. Exactly. Uh, collaborative learning, collaborative yeah. parenting, collaborative teaching. I love it. So I just saw here's a quick uh, comment from someone said that someone said uh, within the next 15 years, school will go bankrupt. So this is actually a statement given by an uh, education futurist at Harvard University. I forgot his name. He unfortunately passed away this year, but he predicted, this was way before COVID. He predicted in 2018 that 50% 50 of American colleges will go bankrupt in the next 15 years. Pretty scary, you know, disrupt or be disrupted. So 
Anyway, thank you so much, my friend, for a great conversation. And thank you so much to our live audience for the amazing comments and for engaging with me and showing up. I love you guys and I really appreciate you. So this is a weekly live streaming show. And uh, I hope to see you again next Friday or Saturday for some of you, the same time, same location. Stay future ready and enjoy your weekend. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Take care.